Raiders is a team that we don't care for. Something, something, With Lord Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Yes, my master. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com. Hello, and this is Something Something Broncos. Uh, with me, as always, Lori Lattimore Volkman. I'm Jess Place. And brought to you by his second crushing defeat in the Lebowski League fantasy, uh, we are proud to feature Tim Lynch. <laughs> Tim, how are you doing? <laughs> I have a feeling he might be giving you the middle finger right now. <laughs> he is apoplectic over his loss and cannot find the words. <laughs> and I understand. I'm um, just, I, I don't want to talk about feeling. it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can talk about it because I lost um, with, I think I had four Broncos on my fantasy team who did jack shit in the game. <gasps> but did you score 100 points and still lose? No. I barely scored yes. 65 points. <laughs> and your opponent beat you by six or seven points max. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hurt this week because not only can I not get third, I can't even get third place. With the highest scoring team in the league this year, I can't even get third place, and it's Jess's fault. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be a little contentious, contentious today, a little on edge. I think that's good. But, that's a good way to start off this one. Seeing as our team kind of deserves a little contention. There you go. I, uh, uh, I'm Von Miller. You're Vance Joseph today. Oh, speaking <laughs> of Vance Joseph, I am surprised that the Denver Broncos still have Joe Woods, Bill Musgrave, and Vance Joseph, all three still on the coaching staff after that horrible loss at San Francisco. You know, uh, Joe Woods actually impressed me after the game when he talked about uh when he gave his post-game interview talking about how uh the defense uh, came out just getting lit up and gave up 20 points getting roasted by the tight end but he gave that speech at halftime and just basically told everybody all the players they need to get their their heads out of their ass and get their he read them the riot act yeah and they, you know what that happens they came out Zero points, zero catches by George Kittle. That defense came out and should have won that. They they should have won the game with the way they were playing in the second half. But the offense was so putrid, it was very disappointing. But yes, I, some somebody should have been fired, right? But no, no. <laughs> well, we're, we're in it. We're in it to the end. <laughs> in a, from a practical standpoint, I I'm not surprised they're still the coaches because you have three games left. I don't think getting rid of all the coaches or getting rid of even the head coach for, for that at this point in the season does you any good. I mean, maybe it, maybe it sends an accountability message, but I don't see why you can't send that same message at the end of the season. I, I mean, I think everybody knows that's coming. Had the Broncos won the rest of these games, had they dominated the games they should have, you know, they beat the Chargers in week 17 then I think Vance Joseph and his coaching staff would be safe. But given that performance last week, I think we all know the writing on the wall. And it's not surprising that they didn't do it 
you know, right now at the very end of the season, just write it out and wait till they have time to, to get another coach. At some point you need John Elway to just kind of step outside the Valley and put his thumb up in the air and kind of test the winds of, of how the fans are feeling. There is hurricane force winds that say Vance Joseph should not be the coach of this team anymore. If that, if John Elway were that kind of GM, I would be highly disappointed in him because fans are very fickle and they want, they want this one week and something else the next week and they're mad and then they're happy. And if John Elway is out there making his decisions on what fans want, it would be a bigger disaster than it is right now. So yeah, just go check Mile High Report's Twitter on Thursday for Fan Pulse and just look at how fans react after every game. And I, you know, I take part in the poll and I do the same thing all the other Broncos fans are doing. So I'm not bashing fans. I'm just saying the reality is after every win, we're confident. 50, 60, 70% rising every week with each win. And then the second this team loses, it plummets to less than 10. It's it's incredible. It, it doesn't matter what the record is. It's like it's the world's coming to end after every every loss. But It'd be fun to do those fan pulses like in each quarter because oh, oh god know, <laughs> on a game where where we would play terrible the first half everybody wants to fire everybody bench the quarterback you know go find Chad Kelly on somebody's couch and put him in and the minute they start playing better and they score and Philip Lindsay runs into the end zone and Von Miller gets a sack and then we love the team and we still don't love the coaches, but you know maybe they 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 got their team ready to go. So fans are horrible judges of <laughs> how things are going. Well, I'm just saying that considering the fact that Vance is probably going to get fired at the end of the season, like throw us a bone. Like, <laughs> it's like why why prolong the inevitable? It it doesn't do him any good. He knows the sharks are circling. It doesn't do the fans any good. Uh, you know. It, it, but it also doesn't do the other coach any good. Whatever coach comes in, he comes in in a terrible situation. He doesn't really know what's going on. It's going to be more chaos. He doesn't. He's not put in a situation to succeed. I mean, he might get lucky, but the chances of that happening aren't very good. So then he doesn't have his best chance to you know show what he can do as a potential head coach. I think it's. I think it just becomes. A disaster, and I think it says to the players, we have zero confidence in this season, and we don't really care what happens to you, and we're not really trying to win. So I, from a, I just think it's not the it's not the right message. If you were going to do it, you had to do it back at the bye. Three and six, yeah, because right now the the playoffs are still a possibility. Four <laughs> percent, but yeah, I mean the you can't fire anybody when when you're not eliminated with from the playoffs you know it just doesn't make any sense so it just sucks because we i think we all know this team is good enough to win every game but it just seems to just not for some reason and it's so frustrating for fans and it is what it is we got three games to go and you know black friday black is it black friday no black monday black monday, monday. is coming yeah are you that's the nfl I don't know. Maybe I am for head coach like Monday. Maybe. <laughs> so we've talked about how, how just frustrating the coaches are, but why, like how, how did we get in the span of one game, 
from, ah, we can make the playoffs. Like we, we might, you know, we, no team wants to see us to, oh my God, everybody needs to be fired. This is a terrible loss season. Like how bad was that 49ers game? Coaching, coaching and Case Keenum. Yeah. Case Keenum couldn't hit the broadside. He was Tebow out there without the running ability. It's just, it's a story we've seen throughout the year and the lucky bounces. Cause if you really look at the three game winning streak, it's all lucky bounces, turnovers, things going the Broncos way. They, they gave them momentum. You know, if you really look at those games, they had no business winning two of those. They, they were outgained 500 yards to like 220 or something in both the game against the Chargers and the and the Steelers. You know, those the reality came home to roost against the 2-10 and 10 freaking San Francisco 49ers. So it just sucks. I was really hoping for some playoff talk. One More than one week worth, you know. The thing about luck is everybody gets a little lucky in the NFL. It happens every week. It happens to some team. It happened to the Miami Dolphins. And there's just because you're lucky doesn't mean you didn't deserve it. You, you put yourself in a position to get lucky. And we, those turnovers, we made those happen. That was a big deal. You get lucky sometimes when the other team screws up and misses a field goal or Philip Rivers throws a pass. He never should have thrown. (laughs) And, you know, we get the ball. So, Things, things happen that are total luck because of what the other team does, but there's also things that we did. We were in the right position to be lucky and make the game change in our favor. So those three wins, you know, a week ago when we did this, we were all like, we can, of course we can beat San Francisco. Might be a tough game against the Browns. Raiders we should win, and then, you know, we can beat the Chargers. So we had a lot of confidence because the team, even with some of those lucky bounces, they were playing Well, I think the situation this weekend, this past weekend, was that the reason it was so frustrating is we have good players. And even though we were were missing two key starters in Chris Harris Jr. and then Emmanuel Sanders, which was a big blow, we had this discipline issue. I mean, these players playing like they didn't know what they were doing or they didn't know where their coverage was or they seemed kind of confused. And that is, as I think... Tim said a minute ago, that is coaching. It's it's not being able to... They're good at coaching football. They seem just completely inept at coaching, at managing, at, at organizing, at having players sort of prepared for any situation when it happens real time on the field. And that, it's so frustrating to watch these coaches who can talk good football in the press conferences, to watch players who are... At, you know, we have all pros on the team and we have rookie of the year candidates on our team. And so even though we have a bunch of young players, we have a ton of talent and their inability to perform consistently over the season is because these coaches cannot freaking manage this team. And that is why they need to go or, or take some management classes. I don't know, but it's so frustrating to watch them be inept at something that isn't even the football part of it. It's just, being able to kind of control the, the pace of the game, make a decision in a split second when you have to, rely on the right guy in the film room to figure out when to challenge a freaking call. I mean, come on. High school coaches can do that stuff. 
the thing I said is like he had the he has the organizational skills of an intern. He just doesn't seem to be able to manage the game like a head coach. And I'm sure he's a great coordinator, but there's a difference, and it's just that's the thing fans just will turn on a on a head coach so quickly if you can't if it seems like you can't manage a football team. And they should and because that is yeah. that is why you don't hire for your head coach. You don't hire someone who has only a year experience as a coordinator. Vance Joseph had a few years as a position coach and then one year as a defensive coordinator. So I I do think he he gets the game. I think his strategy is is often fine and sound. I know people disagree with that, but he he makes a case for a lot of his decisions that are acceptable. But he is so overwhelmed in the game and like you said, he can't be expected to see every single play from the angle we see when we're watching on TV. But he is supposed to have a guy in the booth who says, challenge that freaking call. That is a catch. He's got to, you've got to challenge that. And so yeah. I don't know who he's got up there, another intern, but that shouldn't be the case. Just have him watch the game. Just have him watch what we're watching. Listen to the announcers. I mean, you know, they're they're not. We're not. We don't have the A squad, but uh, but they're at least watching the game better than whoever is watching the game on behalf of the Broncos. It, it, it's it letting letting a George Kittle get two hundred yards and threaten Shannon Sharp's record is just unacceptable. Like you can't allow that. Like just running free for for dozens of yards per, per, per play. Like, it, it just can't happen. I mean, just because we don't use our tight ends doesn't mean that other teams won't. <laughs> I bet Joe Wood said something like you just said, too, in that, at halftime in the locker room. He probably said, no George Kittle is going to break Shannon Sharp's record. That is, maybe John Elway came in and said that. Do not do that to my friend. How, how impressive, though, for that defense to come out giving up 200 yards to one guy in the first half and four yards away from breaking a record. And they said, you know, you're not getting another catch for on, on the, on us. We, we, we screwed up. It ain't happening. And they came out and they just, they dom the, de- the defense dominated the second half. That's what people, I think everybody's forgetting how strong that defense was in the second half. And it's just, it's the offense. For all the complaining we've been doing about what the defense did wrong in the first half, our offense should be able to get three touchdowns. That's all they needed. They just needed three touchdowns, and they couldn't do that. So against come the two on. and ten team, yes, against, like, yeah. it, the offense, wins. the offense lost this game. The defense just put them in a bad place. But that was also because the offense goes out three and out first first drive of the game. Five times this year they've gone three and out on the first drive, and nine times they haven't scored on the first drive. They can't get any momentum. They can't continue drives. They can't uh, get first downs. They can't uh, connect on uh, passes. Uh, and they run Philip Lindsay up the middle. And that's not his game. And so it's just, you know, it, you need you need a couple yards, empty set. We're throwing it. Like, let's go. Yeah. Empty let's, set, let's, baby. Every time I see it, I just, I just can't. I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, you're not even, you're not even trying to disguise what you're doing. You're just, you're, it's like, it's like arrogance or obstinance or it's, it's like stupidity. stupidity. <laughs> I'm gonna go with C on that. It's a personal vendetta against you, Tim. Um, it's, it's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I know. How mad but were you guys 
when they threw on fourth down, there you know, it's goal first and goal, four pass plays. I was furious <sighs> until Deshaun yeah. Hamilton caught the touchdown. I was like, woohoo, all right, go Broncos. I was I was actually disappointed when Hamilton scored because it's like then I didn't have a reason to rage on Twitter over how stupid all these calls were. Oh, of course you did. You can okay. always rage on Twitter. <laughs> Made up for it at the end when uh, we had to do our hail mary pass and we knew they would only be rushing three because everybody would be dropped into coverage. We got that running back back there just to show them that we might run it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I closed the game down and was finishing up my recap. I published it before the game was over. And then I see on Twitter, the Broncos ain't done yet. They might win this game. I'm like, what is happening? I bring the game back on just to see it's over. I was like, oh, okay. You <laughs> I missed probably willed it not to happen because you knew that would suck to have published the wrong Hey, Booker, story. like, give up. <laughs> Hey, I would like, They're gladly... like, we're going to do the hook and ladder play like Miami. And then Devontae Booker's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not trying. <laughs> I did see him pull the Ronnie Hillman, uh, you know, non-catch there, in a oh. non-attempt. Didn't even... Like, eh, no. Yeah, like... I would rather be in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This is the one... This is the one snap I get? No, thanks. But wait, there's more. <laughs> this Saturday, the Denver Broncos take on the Cleveland Browns at Bronco Stadium a mile high. How are we feeling about this one? Not I, I, I feel as good as I was a week ago. <laughs> I hate the Browns for taking Baker Mayfield. That's what I hate. It's not fair. Got Bradley Chubb. We no, no, that's good. I like what you should hate is is that Baker Mayfield kind of jumped in popularity there at the end of the, the draft season. I don't think everybody was excited about him for a while. And then a few people caught on and the Senior Bowl happened. And we should have spread rumors that he was five foot nine. We should have. You know? We should have said all kinds of things that he couldn't pass. He was Any terrible with the there. team. He wasn't a good leader. And then just snatched him up. Yeah, Broncos need to hire us. KGB style subterfuge going on in the draft time. <laughs> Our outlook on the Browns game is not as high as it was. So I, uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Uh, David and Juku. <laughs> it might just run wild um, if that's how you pronounce his name. I, you get the N and the J together, and then all hell just breaks loose. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Like I, I, the Browns haven't haven't won against Denver in forever, and in, in like many oh, that years. doesn't mean anything. Nothing to me, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing we've got going for us is we're going to be embarrassed from last week, and we're playing at Mile High. They have weapons we can, we struggle with, but I'm not worried about the defense. It's our offense that needs to figure some things out. Otherwise, we won't be able to keep up with what Baker Mayfield will be able to do. And that has been our problem all season. Our defense has actually most of the time stymied the other offenses to be you know, not as good as they normally are or not scoring that many points that we shouldn't be able to catch up, and we can't do it. So... I'm more worried about I'm far more worried about Case Keenum and the offense than I am about our defense stopping Baker Mayfield. Vance jo- Joseph is setting records as head coach that haven't been set in decades. So you know you got the 1990 last time the Cleveland Browns beat the Broncos. You got back-to-back losing seasons not since 1972. You know that's in jeopardy. 
I'm just at this point, I just don't have any confidence. What I hope I see is the Broncos get back to when I say Broncos, I mean, Bill Musgrave gets back to calling creative run plays, getting the running game going and just run, run, run. That's all that matters. Just run the ball and let case throw now and then, you know, get 120, 30 yards passing tops. And this team will, will beat teams. We're in quarterback purgatory, and it sucks. And like you say, they're not calling plays to put Case in the best position. If if this little dink and dunk stuff that they're doing has the net effect of a running play, they just stack the box, and they're like, you're not going to throw it further than 15 yards. And, yeah, it's, and it's if the... you do, you're not going to catch it. So we're, we're, we're willing to take that, uh, that chance. Yeah, it's the T-Sizzle offense. If you look at the 49ers game, you know, a running game's not working. So you know you're going to have to pass. And you know that they're able to get to Case pretty quick, so he's going to have to get the ball out fast. So they, you know, they're playing they're playing up close to the line because they they know it's going to that's kind of the pass that's going to be. And we didn't have any of the routes that actually help in that kind of situation. The crossing routes, the rub routes, the kind of routes that ele- that confuse defenders a little bit, get them mixed up, allow our receivers to, to get some separation. We have none of that, which, as you say, doesn't it doesn't help Case Keenum. He's he's then thrown into situations two rookies that are you know not not a great chance of catching. So the the play calls were suspect. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready for black. really close, doesn't it, guys? It feels, <laughs> it feels almost too soon. I feel, I'm ready for Black Monday. It's just, you know. I am not ready for Black Monday. I was listening to the Al Wilson interview. It reminded me, like, it's how exciting it is to listen to players who get excited about playing, excited about a chance to go out on the field and wreak havoc especially defenders even though it's not been a great season in three weeks when we're done i'm going to be so depressed (laughs) i want i want more games i want i want to keep watching these players try to make this better and i think i think we'll see a motivated broncos team they're going to be at home and i think the defense is going to definitely want to show that they are they are not the they're they are the second half team against the 49ers, not the first half team. I'm I'm okay with them getting to eight wins because that keeps that record. Because back, no back to back losing seasons for 45, what 48? I don't know how many years ago that was. It was a freaking long time ago. You know, I don't want that record broken. So I'm with you. I'm just, I'm also looking forward to how how is Elway going to fix this? But he had a good draft in 2016. If you take out Lynch. Uh, he had a good draft in 2018. <laughs> if you take the number one, the first round yeah, draft pick. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, at, at this point, take another quarterback. Fuck it. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> it's not a family show. I think we're fine. Just just keep taking quarterbacks. Just just take them all, John Elway. Just you'll find one that works out. Well, I don't know. He took Osweiler and he took Simeon and he took Lynch. Those haven't worked out. Well, maybe he needs to take one in every round and then, you know. Maybe he'll find one that works out. Shouldn't have let Kyle Slaughter go. Just saying. I don't think that was going to work out. (laughs) Let's bring Tim Tebow back. I'm over it. We do need to find a quarterback. We're going to have Case Keenum again next year. No, we're going to get Blake Bortles. You watch. No. 
We we need no. We need to keep Case Keenum for next year and be looking. As Bye. usual, you're right. No, here's what's going to happen. We're going to keep Case Keenum. We're going to draft one of the top quarterbacks in the first round, and then we're going to say, "But we can't play this guy. We got to stick with the veteran. We got to stick with the safe Keenum play and just keep this guy on the bench." Anyway, well, this is where I don't know where I, don't know where I was going with accept, that. We can't expect this rookie to to make these six yard outs whenever we ask him. He can't <laughs> throw three yard like half assed pitches. There's Check no down. way. He couldn't keep up. Our problem has been we've never wanted to waste this good defense, and particularly Vaughn Miller, on a quarterback getting, you know, kind of busting his chops the first year. And so we're going to kind of be in the same situation again, except that our the key to this next year is the right head coach. Not a coach that Elway wants to be a yes man for him, but the right head coach to come in and fix the team. And clearly we need some cornerbacks. Still need, I think, to uh, fix that offensive line. And we're going to need to look for the quarterback of the future because Case Keenum, I think he has to be here another year. If you have the right coach, that coach says, I'm going to take a chance on this, just like they've done in St. Louis and just like they've done now in, uh, in Cleveland. We're, we're probably going to have to have that year. It might not be next year, though. It could be the year after that. But the right head coach is what's going to make that the difference there. This is going to be popular, but how sexy would it be to have John Fox walk back through that door? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh. But from, from a perspective of resetting a franchise, John Fox was the perfect man for the job in 2011. Aha! In 2018, come on back, John. I know you and John, John Elway, don't get along, but we, we need you. Come on back. He's bad once you get a franchise quarterback, but we don't got one, so come on back. So that's a good question, though, and that's part of the. I think part of Elway's problem is who who is out there that would be a good head coach, a good NFL head coach. You you bring back Mike Shanahan with Gary Kubiak as office, offensive coordinator. <laughs> This, you stop, sound like such a Broncos right fan. <laughs> the Broncos are going to move forward. They need to find the next Sean McVay, I think. Not bring back their best coach from the 80s. That's <laughs> not the way to go. Hey, hey, yeah, that's a Dan Reeves is retired. We, we aren't the Raiders yet. <laughs> we'll okay, give Shani a $100 million dollar contract. <laughs> and then yeah. tell him to trade Von Miller. <laughs> anyway. But no, you're right. They need a they need a head coach, and it either either needs to be a seasoned veteran type, or it needs to be the next freaking Sean McVay. But Sean McVay's don't come along very often. The head coach of the Bears. He's kind of a, a, a surprise, but he's another one of those young, offensive-minded guys. It's pretty creative, and he's helping his he's helping his team look pretty darn good right now. <laughs> He also got a quarterback number three overall, so you know there is that. I just mean it was it was a gamble. Like that we didn't. It wasn't quite like a Baker Mayfield where a lot of people were sure he was he was the real deal for the NFL. Yeah, we could have had Tebow this year with Josh Allen, though. I even think Mahomes was kind of a question mark for a lot of people. Oh God, how how nice it would have been to have been able to get him. And the Chiefs traded up for him. Broncos could have traded. The fact that the Chiefs picked him, I thought he was a bust for sure. 
I, you know, I fell into that trap too. Dude's freaking the next John Elway, though. We got to be worried about that for the next 15 freaking years. Our scouting department, what they need to be doing is looking looking ahead. The 2020 draft and maybe even the 2021. Who are, who are the people we should be considering and keeping an eye on? Because our next move has to be finding the young guy who will be the franchise quarterback. The next Baker Mayfield, the next Patrick Mahomes, <clears throat> the, the next Carson Wentz, whatever. All I want from them is whoever ran the draft last year needs to run the draft every year. Just I just think... make that person the person in charge, and Elway reports to him. What What is your score prediction, Lori? <sighs> oh, 24-21 Broncos. Wow. 24 points for the offense? I know. See, I'm saying they're going to they're gonna be at home. Those rookie receivers – are gonna, you know, they're they're feeling a little more confident. Another week of practice, we're gonna figure out how to use a tight end because everybody else does. It's gonna work. Oh. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, my prediction is, I think it's going to be ten to seven Broncos. <laughs> you think we're gonna be able to hold Baker Mayfield to one touchdown? I mean, he does throw a lot of interceptions. That's true. And he hasn't faced Von Miller yet. And Bradley Chubb. There's, there's good juju when it comes to the Broncos playing the, the Browns. Like, we've got that on our side. Okay, so 10-7. Love it. Yep. And the Broncos are, I think, 6-3 and three when they score 20 points or more. So I'm going to say Browns 21, Broncos uh, 13. What? <sighs> And if they win, it'll be twenty four twenty. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do I don't know which I don't know which Broncos team is going to show up. So I have an either or. <laughs> either or. Well, what's really frustrating is that uh, Vance Joseph doesn't know either. Because <laughs> uh... remember. I don't know if anyone read my horse tracks uh, the day after the game. If you do a Google image search of Vance Joseph, his picture comes up with the word confused <laughs> as one of the filters. So, Doing it right now. Do it. Do it. It is what it is. Bless his heart. He's, he, bless his heart. That, uh, I think, is the end of Something Something Broncos for this week. Um, <clears throat> wait, did you – no mystery? There's whoa, no mystery whoa, question? Whoa. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I, I jumped ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, today, this week's mystery question is, why does Al Wilson belong in the Ring of Fame? As somebody who grew up a Broncos fan – um, and enjoyed the Super Bowl greatness of the late 90s. When Al Wilson was drafted, he kind of set the tone that Elway's gone, TD's gone, this is, this is the new Broncos, it's defense, you know. And when they weren't playing Peyton Manning and the Colts, that defense was dominant, and he was the guy that was the – anchor in the middle and you could always count on al wilson just putting the, the hurt on somebody and it kind of set this made us all realize you know hey the broncos used to have this kind of style defense way back in the day you know that before i was born and 
then we saw in 2015, it's like a continuation of that history that Elway kind of interrupted with his, his greatness. Um, and yeah, so he's, he's been ring of fame worthy since the minute he retired. The fact that it's taken this long is all freaking politics. And I'm really happy to see that maybe the Broncos are finally getting over that nonsense and, saying, look, this this guy was amazing for us for, what was it, 10 years, 8 years? And he deserves that kind of recognition, and I can't wait to see him enshrined in the in the Ring of Fame. Yeah, it's a travesty that Al Wilson isn't in the Ring of Fame, and especially this year when they didn't even do a Ring of Fame, I think that's that was stupid, but that's a rant for a different day. But Wilson was, he was a leader. The guy was voted team captain his second year in the NFL. I think that shows you that the players recognized after one year as a rookie, he was already a leader on the field. He was a leader in the locker room. He was, I think, Pro Bowl five years. And this is all during the years of the Broncos. They were decent. It was no longer an LA Super Bowl team. So, you know, he was kind of keeping the team in the hunt. I'm really happy to see that he's back in Denver this weekend. He's going to be an honorary team captain. And I think that shows that the Broncos organization, the franchise, is kind of making some amends. And hopefully he will be in the ring of fame soon. Well, I'm going to tell a little story about Al Wilson. There was uh, In 2004, uh, I was driving back to uh, my home in Nebraska. I lived in Nebraska for a year. And uh, my now wife and I were, were driving uh, north on I-25 uh, when uh, we received word that uh, Nebraska was closed due to a snowstorm. And uh, I watched uh, the Broncos in their orange jerseys in a snowstorm uh, play the Oakland Raiders. And it was in that game that uh, uh, Al Wilson uh, put the hurt on uh, Tyrone Wheatley. And uh, to me, that is a play that is like right up there with Atwater's hit on Okoye. Such a statement hit that even though we lost that game, that is what sticks with me to this day about that game was not only our cool orange jerseys, but <laughs> just, just Al Wilson's like, just I'm going to I'm going to beat your butt. And, yeah, we did lose that game. And, yeah, it's the only time I've ever gotten physically ill because I've been so worked up over a game <laughs> that I actually did. I got physically ill in the hotel room. And my wife, my now wife, is like, I, what the hell is going on with you? And I'm like, it's the Raiders. we got to beat the Raiders. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. We'd lost. But Al Wilson looked amazing. So, to me... Uh, that that is like the defining moment. Like you you can't you can't talk about Al Wilson without without that hit on Tyrone Wheatley. Yeah, I, I found that post that I that I did too, and I had a poll in there. Would you like to see Al Wilson in the Ring of Fame in 2019? 96 percent said yes. The other four percent were Raiders and Chiefs fans, so we're it, good. It was Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get this Scotty. I mean, let's be real. He didn't even read this post. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he could have written it and he wouldn't have read it. Okay, now for real, though. That concludes this episode <laughs> of Something Something Broncos. Uh, your hosts, Lori Latimer Volkman, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, go Broncos. Something. 
with Lord Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Yes, my master. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> <laughs>